0: Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice Show. I'm Dr. Fujian Zane. I'm a psychotherapist, an author, and the originator of the awareness integration theory. And hello to Sean, our director at the studio. This is a show about what matters most in our life our mind, our thoughts, feelings, actions, relationship, and our fulfillment in this beautiful journey of life. Today, I will share with you the tip of the week about why do we hate ourselves and how, that impact, how does that impact our lives? And then I will share you the latest research and how researchers recently examined biological factors impacting anxiety disorders. The team studied male and female to better understand sex differences in biological responses related to anxiety. And then I'm excited to bring you Wendy Temis-Robbins, She is the author of The Box, An Invitation to Freedom from Anxiety. Um, She's a lawyer by day. She's a writer by night and a professional panic attacker. Yes, panic attacker. We talk about anxiety, her anxiety, and how she overcame it and made it into a superpower for herself and how she will support you in her book, The Box in doing the same, and uh, how to take care of you when you're anxious, and how to learn from your anxiety. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and podcast, and connect with me through Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. All of them are Dr. Fujian and I love to hear from you. Um, ask your questions, uh, tell me what topics you want to talk about, and uh, I'll bring it all to you. But first, here's the tip of the week. All of you therapists, counselors, coaches, and teachers out there offering you my latest book, Awareness Integration Therapy. Clear the past, create a new future, and live a fulfilled life now. Every person that reaches out to a psychotherapist, a counselor, or a coach is seeking to learn skills that can be utilized daily to foster a successful and fulfilling life. So this book offers an effective tool to all psychotherapists and coaches for supporting their clients to become aware of their inner process and to be accountable for it as well as the results in all areas of their lives with the utmost level of care and acceptance. This is a must read for all of you clinicians and coaches who desire to offer a deep therapeutic work in a brief period of time suited for this era. Have you ever wished you could just wake up one day, reach across your nightstand, and hit the Life Reset button? Let's face it, the struggles and frustrations of everyday life leave millions of women and men around the globe yearning for a new way. And the new way is right here in Life Reset, the awareness integration path to create the life you want by Dr. Fujin Zane. You can get it now at fujin.com or amazon.com life reset the awareness integration path to create the life you want you deserve it hello i'm dr Fujian zane i'm a psychotherapist and a life coach for the past 30 years and i'm the originator of the awareness integration therapy i'd love to be able to support you in any matters of life shows up for you that you need support. So call me at 818-648-2140. I am available to do online therapy or coaching, anyone who's around the world. And you can also join me in my office in San Clemente, California, if you'd like to uh, come to the office. So call me at 818-648-2140 or go to fujon.com. I look forward to hearing from you and having the opportunity to support you in things that are in your life, and you just want to excel and create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. Here's the tip of the week. Why do we hate ourselves? This week, I've been working with self-hatred. I've been listening to 12 year olds and uh, to seven year old wonderful people who've been reciting nasty comments to themselves for a lifetime. Some try to drown them out by using alcohol and drugs and some cut, burn or mutilate parts of their own body to punish themselves for being the worst human being. What makes us hate ourselves? As I've listened for the past 30 years to many, many, many people, as we explore the origin of these thoughts, it leads toward how we make believe that if the world did not take care of us it must have been because we were bad when two parents fought the child saw himself as the cause and therefore he was bad when an adult abused the child she thought it must have been my fault for and I'm damaged good and I deserve it when a parent neglected and was not available the child thought i must be unlovable When a parent while disciplining said, you're bad, the child believed that they're bad and they assigned being bad to themselves. When a teacher was in a bad mood and humiliated a student, she made it mean that she's the stupid one and no good and I'll never be good. When a friend betrayed, the teen said, I'm unworthy of friendship. When a boyfriend cheated, she said, "I'm worthless," and you can you get this right? When others acted, we took it personally, generalized it, and made it ours, and produced feelings of hatred, disgust, shame, and contempt for ourselves. So, how do we shed these false self-made identities by doing a reality check based on our actions, results, and the impact we have on others? By healing a part that is wounded in the past. And is waiting to be loved and healed by degeneralizing, realizing that one person's thoughts and actions do not make up our whole identity. By depersonalizing from attaching a, a correlation between someone else's action that is not about us, by forgiving them for what they did and forgiving ourselves for all we did or perceived. There's a great process going through a self hatred or self to self acceptance and self love. So, for more observational and integration skills, go to my book, Life Reset the Awareness Integration Path to Create the Love You Want. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Fujian Zane, I'm a psychotherapist and a life coach for the past 30 years, and I'm the originator of the Awareness Integration Therapy. I'd love to be able to support you in any matters of life that shows up for you that you need support. So call me at 818 818- 648-2140. I am available to do online therapy or coaching, anyone who's around the world. And my, you can also join me in my office in San Clemente, California, if you like to uh, come to the office. So call me at 818-648-2140 or go to fujon.com. I look forward to hearing from you and having the opportunity to support you in things that are in your life, and you just want to excel and create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. Have you ever wished you could just wake up one day, reach across your nightstand, and hit the Life Reset button? Let's face it, the struggles and frustrations of everyday life leave millions of women and men around the globe yearning for a new way. And the new way is right here in Life Reset, the awareness integration path to create the life you want by Dr. Fujin Zayn. You can get it now at fujan.com or Amazon.com. Life Reset, the awareness integration path to create the life you want. You deserve it. This is to all of you therapists, counselors, coaches, and teachers out there offering you my latest book, Awareness Integration Therapy. Clear the past, create a new future, and live a fulfilled life now. Every person that reaches out to a psychotherapist, a counselor, or a coach is seeking to learn skills that can be utilized daily to foster a successful and fulfilling life. So this book offers an effective tool to all psychotherapists and coaches for supporting their clients to become aware of their inner process and to be accountable for it, as well as the results in all areas of their lives with the utmost level of care and acceptance. This is a must-read for all of you clinicians and coaches who desire to offer a deep therapeutic work in a brief period of time suited for this era. Feeling anxious about health, family, or money is normal for most people, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. But for those with anxiety disorders, these everyday worries tend to heighten even when there is little or no reason to be concerned. Researchers from Indiana University School of Medicine recently studied the behaviors associated with anxiety published in Psychopharmacology, examining how biological factors impact anxiety disorders, especially in females. They found that anxiety in females intensifies when there's a specific life-relevant condition. Anxiety disorders occur in twice as often in women than men, and social and cultural factors likely play an important role in the development of anxiety in females. The COVID-19 pandemic heavily influenced anxiety in people. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, in June 2020, a few months into the pandemic, 13% of Americans started using or increasing substance use to cope with their emotions and stress due to the unknowns at the time about the pandemic. Knowing that women have more incidents of anxiety than men, the roles of many women have amplified during the pandemic, working remotely teaching children in virtual school everyday tasks errands and um, these life relevant conditions could have increased their anxiety while anxiety in human is complex anxiety in animal is based solely on biology so biological factors play an important role in these types of mood disorders but it can be hard to untangle the mechanism that drive anxiety in humans when they did this study on rodents, these rodents were um, but important to do to help develop more effective and personalized treatments. Through this studying, both male and female rodent models, they found that females and males were very different in their response to the most life-relevant aspects related to anxiety. In one of the behavioral tasks, rodents had to grab pellets of food which were in the brightly lit center of the big arena. Rats don't like the light, so this created an anxious conflict. In this task, female rats took longer to touch the food and ate less food relative to males. The researchers also gave the rodent diazepam, a drug used to treat anxiety and it greatly reduced anxiety in females But it had little effect in males when interacting with food. There were also other measures that showed males and females, including how many times a rat approached the lit center, and how long it remained there. That's only the parts of the task that were most life-relevant, in this case food, showed the sex differences. Previous studies supported the idea that anxiety in female is focused on most life-relevant aspects of the situation. For example, females more than males in both studies showed great responses to the urine of a predator and had higher anxiety when in the presence of a second rat that was free to wander around. Knowing that anxiety can manifest from different concerns um, in males and females, with female particularly attuned to the most life-relevant condition, is a valuable step towards seeking better treatment based on sex differences. Um, The model that I created, the awareness integration model, minimizes anxiety and depression. And I know that as I worked 30 years, I've seen that the anxiety and depression with females gets much more, um, it's more prevalent in females than it is in males. Another uh, milestone or a phase of life that we really see a lot of anxiety in females are uh, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. And it's important for uh, women um, to know that, to know that they need to take care of themselves. And as anxiety shows up, there are all the amazing, amazing treatments to work through and that they don't have to live with this type of anxiety, nor the depression. Thank you. Have you ever wished you could just wake up one day, reach across your nightstand, and hit the Life Reset button? Let's face it, the struggles and frustrations of everyday life leave millions of women and men around the globe yearning for a new way. And the new way is right here in Life Reset, the awareness integration path to create the life you want by Dr. Fuzhan Zane. You can get it now at fujan.com or Amazon.com. Life Reset, the awareness integration path to create the life you want. You deserve it. Take KMET 1490 AM with you everywhere you go by downloading our free smartphone apps found on the KMET website, KMET1490AM.com. You can also go to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store on your phone to download the free app. Now you can listen live or play any of your favorite programmers' podcasts using your smartphone. Go to KMET1490AM.com and download your free phone app today to all of you therapists, counselors, coaches and teachers out there offering you my latest book, Awareness Integration Therapy. Clear the past, create a new future and live a fulfilled life now. Every person that reaches out to a psychotherapist, a counselor or a coach is seeking to learn skills that can be utilized daily to foster a successful and fulfilling life. So this book offers an effective tool to all psychotherapists and coaches for supporting their clients to become aware of their inner process and to be accountable for it, as well as the results in all areas of their lives with the utmost level of care and acceptance. This is a must-read for all of you clinicians and coaches who desire to offer a deep therapeutic work in a brief period of time suited for this era. Well, hello again, everyone. I'm Dr. Fujian Zain, and I am excited to have Wendy Thomas Robbins with me. She is the author of The Box, An Invitation to Freedom and Anxiety. She's a lawyer by day, writer by night, and a professional panic attacker. Yes, a panic attacker. (laughs) Despite near crippling anxiety, she worked her way through Dartmouth College and Law School before she was 30. And she set her mind to overcome the anxiety and panic attacks that increasingly limited her life. For the past 20 years, she's worked in the corporate finance, creating and preserving affordable housing and lending to the underserved communities. And what she says, which I love says, now I don't just live my life beyond my disorder. I live it beyond my wildest dreams. Welcome to this show, Wendy.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, wonderful to be here. Um, I know that you really
0: put uh, your whole life and the thought process and your healing process, all of that in your book. Um, And uh, it is a part of who you are and it's also a part of who you're not anymore. You really go through explaining the extreme um, anxiety that you've had. You wrote this beautiful, I love your writing, you wrote this describing it very well. He said, I describe my anxiety to uh to myself as strong, argumentative, persuasive, manipulative, and opportunistic. <laughs> I remember hearing it on a beautiful warm days when it Um, slither through quiet, sacred spaces like a snake in the grass, reminding me that the calm I felt was fleeting and my momentary peace was undeserved. Or when I rolled down the window of my car at the first spring day and the moment I felt pure joy, the voice reminded me how easily I could die in a car accident. Or when I finally felt loved and it convinced me that once my broken pieces were exposed, I should be shamed and abandoned. Um, I really experienced anxiety when I read your book and, and I've worked with therapist with clients. I'm a therapist. So I can work with clients for 30 years and I really, really feel what they go through. So share with us, um, how you experienced anxiety and what it did in your life. And we'll go on from there.
1: Sure. Um, so it started at a very young age and, um, it was, um, you know, I didn't have the vocabulary at that age to really talk about it. And I was having panic attacks. They started at the age of six and, you know, my parents would think that it was just an isolated incident and hope that, you know, I was fine after it, it stopped. And, uh, they didn't really know the extent of the obsessive, uh, thoughts that I was having that was really creating, um, this generalized anxiety as, as a, you know, as an adolescent, um, where I was having a hard time sleeping and concentrating and really focusing on anything else other than these, um, you know, catastrophizing, um, uh, beliefs that I was having. And so over time, I started building these walls that were made of things like destructive perfectionism and you know hyper controlling behaviors to control my environment, thinking that if I could just do that, then they wouldn't create anxiety for me. Um, but over time, I realized that um, you know even through all of my achievements in creating this picture perfect outside um, uh, persona that, That really wasn't where the anxiety was coming from. It was really coming from inside of me. So it wasn't until I did that work that I really began to find freedom. Um, But for me, it was, you know, anything from, um, like I said, generalized anxiety. So every day having that debilitating, uh, those thoughts that would just be obsessive in my mind and running those tapes. And then it would become debilitating on a physical level as well, where I went from, um, a college division one athlete to somebody who couldn't really even walk around the grocery store without a cart holding me up. Um, and then bouts of depression as well and suicidal ide- uh, ideation in college, um, so it really was spirally, spiraling out of control for a very long time, with, you know, panic attacks on top of that, um, probably three or four a day. Um, so that was really when um, it was at its worst.
0: And um, I, I've worked a lot with uh, teenagers and, um, and young adults, students, which they do experience the anxiety, and um, they really have no idea what to do with it. It feels like an attack coming, and they feel powerless against it. And I get what you're saying, where you created all of these other coping mechanisms around it to make sure that you, in, in your own way, um, having the ability to maintain and manage it, uh, but it's the other way where the more that we try to control the external world, the more that it becomes uh, apparent to us that that's just that we're more powerless against the same technique over and over again. And what I'm hearing is you started looking at what you can shift inside, and it wasn't about, you know, handling the outside anymore. And uh, you were very by high achievers. So it seems like the more that the achievements, Uh, were there, the more you needed to maintain it, become more perfect, control everything out there, which kind of like collapses uh, because it's just not a realistic thought process. Um, So how did you experience going in and shifting and looking at the catastrophe as you called it internally?
1: I really had to go back. Um, I had this amazing epiphany one day in a, I was always unable to, um, meditate, you know, like my early therapist would suggest, well, if you have anxiety, then meditate. And I always thought I would fire them honestly, because I was like, I, there's just no way with the thoughts that are going on in my mind, I can't sit and just, you know, um, be, you know, be still and be quiet. And I was terrified of going into my mind. So it just was not even, it was a non-starter, but I did have this, um, this one moment of coaching with Martha Beck, who's a very um, famous, you know, writer and life coach. Um, And she gave me this amazing meditation where you just watch a horse, an unbroken horse run in a ring um, for, you know, as long as it takes for several minutes every day and then sit there for me. It took about three weeks until that horse stopped running. And that horse represented my anxious thoughts. And as I sat with that horse, every day things shifted inside of me. Um, It was a place for my anxious thoughts to really run and run. And then it was also a place to process all of this anxiety that I had held in my body um, for decades. Uh, So once that horse stopped, it was a very profound moment for me where I suddenly felt this sense of peace that I had never felt before. And it was really there all along underneath all of that anxiety, but it was as if I had burned off the anxiety and then discovered what had been there all along. So it was really a jumping off point for me to start this meditative practice. And so soon thereafter, um, I had another meditation where, um, I remembered being in this box as a child. My parents had bought this new refrigerator and put the big box that it came in, the cardboard box in the living room for um, the kids to play in. And I remember being the only one that went in that box. And um, I knew that I really didn't go into play. I, you know, my childhood was, it was a um, kind of a volatile household because there was generational mental health that had gone um, untreated. And so there were, you know, it was, it was chaotic at times. So I would go into this box to retreat. And when I had that meditation, it was one of several, there's a few others in the book where I realized I had to go back in order to find the source of my anxiety, really, in order to figure out if I could ever be free of it. So I went back to that little girl in that box and um, would meditate and just sit with her. And then I brought her out of that box and I literally went through, I could see through my anxiety where all of the open wounds still were in my journey. And I went back and just healed those places and reparented myself and did work like that um, when looking into my past. And then as I was doing that and writing about it, a lot of the writing in the book is from those types of sessions. I would also do a lot of exposure therapy, right, to retrain my brain, um, because for so many years, I believed that everything would be the worst case scenario. I would die if I sailed or hiked alone or just all of these things that, you know, other people can do. And so in order to like I said, retrain that that part of my brain that believed those worst case scenarios had actually happened in my past. I had to go do them and live through the panic, live through the anxiety, and teach myself that it could be true for me.
0: How is the process uh, to do something alone? So obviously, uh, what you uh, did was a lot of what we do in therapy, which is uh, going through, sitting down, and looking at what's going on, part of the awareness integration that I created, it is the awareness and then you go integrate the past and everything, which is the healing and coming back and creating, creating goals and setting up and moving forward. Um, There is when I also created the model and did it in Cal State Long Beach, people didn't do it with a therapist, they just did it through their journaling, we just created a guided system to do it. How was how was it for you to do this on your own? I know sometimes uh, when we have a lot of traumas in the in our past, that when we go back into the spaces where we're really observing and looking and, you know, going back into some of these memories, um, That at times it helps when there's someone else who's holding your hand or uh, giving you a vision of uh, what's going on or when you are in your pain that gives you a bigger picture of it. Um, But I also know that I've done a lot of self-help work on myself and I'm hearing you've done it and I've, uh, you know, through books and and, uh, the methods, I've also had other people to do it. But I just wanted to know what your experience was going through this uh, process, because obviously you have those system also in your book. And um, so if people are going to read a box, the box, so how would it be for them to go through this journey uh, with with who they are without anybody else, uh, therapist or a coach holding their hands?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great question. I found it, I had had several therapists up until that time, um, where I didn't get as much out of it because I wasn't willing to share as much as I should have, right? I couldn't, I felt like exposing all of that, especially when I first went, right? My first time was, I was at Dartmouth and I thought that they would send me home from school, send me to a hospital. I didn't really know, um, what would happen. So, I was always afraid of the consequences, really. So I I really, like I said, wasn't getting as much out of it as I should have. So I felt a safe space when I did it alone. I was more able to dig as deep as I needed to um, with my journaling and my meditations and things like that. Um, And then once I really started writing and understanding that I could be writing for somebody else, it almost became part of the mission, like that I had to do it not only for me, but for them, um, you know, to get as deep as I possibly could, just a place that I wasn't able to access with somebody else sitting on the other side. Um, Because I felt, you know, whether I felt judged or too vulnerable or whatever it was, I just didn't allow myself to go there. So for me doing it alone but still having all of the tools from all of the self-help books that I brought with me and all of the things that I had learned in therapy, right? Like I showed up at the door with bags of tools and then I picked up my pen and threw down my meditation mat and was ready to go. So it wasn't just you know, me the, you know, showing up by myself with nothing, um, nothing to bring to the table. I, I still definitely had all of that other, all of that other help um, with me. That's so interesting.
0: I've worked with clients who um, they become very uh, cognitive and cerebral within the t- conversation that we have. And then in the between the week on their own, they do give themselves permission to purge all of the emotions that show up for them. So there is a very much of a truth into um, a self space that uh, a safe space that we create for ourselves. Let me and the audience know, how did you create that safe space for yourself? Because for, as you described in your book, the space of anxiety, it is such a self-sabotaging concept and you called it a self-saboteur. And um, it doesn't feel safe. It's constantly horrifying you. Like, what if, what if, what if, what if, you know, the worst case scenarios are Mm -hmm. always in front of your face. So there is something about how to create that safe space where you could actually watch this and not get triggered with it. It's watching that horse while not panicking as if the horse, you know, you are the horse that is going to run away and not know what to do. Um how did you create that type of a safe space where you could actually go in there and have that trust that you could watch this and be okay. And then to finally be in your, um, in, in the calm underneath all of the chaos.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it was one of those early meditations right after, um, that whole horse few weeks of unwinding all of that, um, where, I realized that that anxious voice that I had heard, that manipulative, angry um, you know, voice that I thought was doing something to harm me, right? I was so afraid of it. I realized that it was that little girl inside that box trying to manipulate and control really to save me. So that was a pivotal moment for me in my own healing because I didn't then look at it as something that was trying to harm me. It was something that was trying to save me. So that shift changed everything. And so when I went in, I was going in to save her as the adult versus push her into the shadows or you know get rid of something that wasn't good for me. It was more like, no, you're coming along and I'm gonna show you why everything's gonna be okay. I'm gonna show you that I love you In that you're safe. And so in healing her, I was obviously healing myself. And so going in to do that healing became a very safe place for me.
0: Um, It's very important what you said, and I want our audience and listeners and viewers to really, really hear that, that, although it appears very uncomfortable and at times as if it's the you know enemy that's talking to you or trying to scare you that it is your vulnerable side that is trying to protect you even though it's vulnerable it is that part of you that uses that vulnerability to remind you about how to be safe in the future so in all the ways it's trying to protect you and what you're saying is that you you saw that um, as, as a good intention. You saw mm-hmm. a vulnerable place in you that not only heal, needs your healing, but also doesn't know about your other strength. So it's just trying to protect you and, and have a, hold a beautiful intention, although it doesn't have access to all of your strength. And it seems like when you came in and kind of held in and got access to all of your own strength, which as you've grown up, you found powerful and, and moving forward, then it was the time of holding the hand of the vulnerable girl who was in the box and then taking her to everything she was afraid of and gaining skills. And that's where I hear you talk about exposure therapy, which you went into the things that you actually um, could not face and you were afraid to face, but you started facing it and learning new skills and moving forward. Share about that, please.
1: Yeah, I think that what you're saying is a mindset shift, right? I was in such a fear mindset being so afraid and critical of myself for not being able to control my own thoughts and bodily sensations that were coming with all of those thoughts, right? I could control everything else in my life, except for what was going on inside. And I think that critical part is when you're trying to, it makes you even more afraid of it, right? And you try to push it away. And that's that fear mindset versus shifting into that growth mindset where you're not afraid of it anymore. And you're actually trying to take care of it, you know? Um, And I think another part of that too, I mean, that's the anxiety, but I know a lot of people would probably say, well, how can you feel that way when you're having a panic attack? Like that feels like you're actually going to die. Like, where does the compassion for yourself come when you're triggered like that. Once I understood what was happening from a neurological perspective, that my brain actually perceives an actual or perceived threat, it may not be real, of course, but knowing what happens in my brain to actually save me from that threat, that was a shift as well, because those panic attacks terrified me in the moment. And now I'll still have them but I will sit there in it and understand, go through that process in my mind. Oh, this is what I thought. So my brain got triggered. And these are the hormones that are running through my body in order to save me. And I will just wait it out, you know, for 10 minutes. And then I feel fine again. That's just a very, very different. It's it's um, It was monumental for me to have that shift um, so that you break that fear cycle, right? Because the more you fear it, the more it's just going to be in control you're really giving up the keys to the car, right? They're in the anxieties in the driver's seat at that point.
0: Um, You're also describing what we do uh, in meditation where we kind of watch, uh, you know, we're in it. And then sometimes we can rise above it and watch us in it. And then, as we rise above it and kind of like see what it is, we don't have the same type of emotions about it because we're mm-hmm. from a little bit of a space above, yeah. and um, and from there, it seems like then you can access the safe place and knowing that it's okay, you can handle this. That you're not actually uh, you're not in a physical harm, and that it is it is a movie, it is a it's a film that it's created, and that you're mm-hmm. not you're not necessarily in it. You could be raised above it and watch it versus being the actors in it. And that's what I'm hearing that it supported you. Um, You've talked about anxiety now using or being with your anxiety as your superpower. So can you share what it is that you're using it now as the superpower? How are you utilizing it to be beneficial in your life?
1: Sure, well, now I feel like in the present moment, um, being able to be aware of those thoughts and change them so that I am living my life in such a more conscious way. Um, There's so much more intention in what I'm doing um, because I can be that, exactly what you said, I can be that observer versus reacting to the emotions that I'm having in the moment, right? Like understanding that My emotions and my feelings have been triggered by a thought. And so backing into the results that I want by going back and understanding the thoughts that have, you know, started that emotion, emotional process, whether it's causing me anxiety or feeling depressed or something like that, that I can actually go back and, um, you know, have conscious intention around how I actually want to feel and act and what my results will be. In the future, I it, this has been one of the biggest shifts for me because I was living in a place of resistance all of the time. Everything I was saying was, no, I can't do that because I have anxiety or they don't understand that I'm not gonna be able to do that because I have anxiety. That was always my, my excuse, right? And so those were incredibly limiting beliefs And that was a big part of the book, right? Understanding at some point that having that awareness that that safe place I had created was really a prison. Um, So now when I look at things, whether they're opportunities to adventure or a new relationship or a new job or something like that, um, rather than reacting from that place of resistance, knowing that I can handle Anything in terms of anxiety that I think was before going to limit me and stop me from doing any of those things. Now, if I feel that anxiety come up inside of me at all, I actually know that that means it's a place that I should go. That's actually where my path is leading me because it's a place to build resilience, right? So I'm living now from a place of yes all the time, and all of these doors continue to open, whereas before it was the complete opposite. So I feel like anxiety's really given me that, that tool and that gift.
0: And as we go through your book, um, not only you're sharing your own story, but you actually are giving people the path. You're giving people step-by-step guidance. So can you share what people are going to be gaining as they read um, your book, The Box, An Invitation to Freedom from Anxiety?
1: Sure, um, I think that You know, and I didn't even know really that I was going to share this until about halfway through writing, um, because originally I just was writing to save myself. Really, it was such a cathartic um, process. But about halfway through, I did see this process unfolding where if you have had and so many of us have had some sort of trauma in the past, right, that has triggered um these coping mechanisms like perfectionism and hyper controlling and hyper-vigilant and things like that that then create anxiety. Um they will see how um I went back and kind of dug up all of not in a not in a bad way like digging up the past where you can just leave it settled and but turn you know uh, overturning every stone to find out what the treasure underneath is. That's really what I did in going back and healing those open wounds, right? They were all of these pain points that were continuing to cause me anxiety without me even knowing it. So they'll see how I went back and did that and probably see themselves in it and see a path to do it um, on their own. And then also halfway through the book as I shift into more of the exposure therapy, more of like traveling overseas alone or, um, um, you know, skiing and sailing and um, race car driving and things like that, that I never thought I would do. I think that that's the next stage where they'll see now that you've healed the past, what can you do now to step outside of that box that you have put yourself in, how to see all of those bricks and why they were built and now how to dismantle them. And then finally, it's really about how to live that life because there's always those breadcrumbs, right? Showing you how to find your way back into that safe place and stay in your comfort zone. And so at the end, it sort of shows you know, in an illustrative way, how to stay outside of your comfort zone in that box and really continue to live your life beyond, like I said, your wildest dreams, really, if you just keep pushing those limits.
0: It's interesting when you um, hear a lot of what we go through, um, through another person's path, but it isn't a direct uh, message, but yet it is a message that as we as we see another human being go through the path, we also get the courage and we also get the know-how. So, through your story, through your experience, people also can see: one, they're not crazy; <laughs> they're not alone. We all go through some of us, some of us more than the others, some of us more sensitive. We're born more sensitive, or the environment creates a space where we become more sensitive um, to, you know, um, whatever is happening in our environment, and then how to go back and create a healing space for ourselves. And I think this is one of the most important gifts that um, you have done with the with the book, the box, an invitation to freedom from anxiety, where. Um, you're sharing from a very vulnerable place, very personal place. And um, you also have gone through the path. So you, there's a knowing in there. It isn't just an idea. There's a knowing, there's an experience. It's going from the vulnerability to your strength to your resilience and showing the path to people and how all of that gets created. So thank you for um, sharing yourself with, with everyone who's around you. How have you, with this um, newfound um, strength, let's say, uh, run your life today in your career? And I know that you also work with uh, companies, um, large companies about, you know, bringing uh, bring your A. and then you're obviously also an attorney. So how do you bring this space now into your work with people and clients that you work with?
1: Um, it's been really an incredible journey. I, for so long, you know, for so many years, decades, I was hiding my, um, my mental illness, my mental struggles from my, the law firms that I worked at my clients. Um, so as a lawyer, I saw it as the two worlds could not be combined at all. And then when I wrote the book, I knew that I would have to obviously tell the tell my the partners at the firm at some point that this was happening and i was met with such open arms it was really overwhelming and they didn't just say well you know congratulations um they actually have brought me in to speak to everyone at the firm and do wellness programs and from that now i'm doing wellness programs for other law firms and for other um i've spoken at colleges and for organizations and associations, you know, for professionals. And it's just every single person, even my clients who I thought would be the biggest taboo, right? Because I am, I feel as though as an attorney, I'm held to a very high standard in terms of my mental capability, my clarity, my ability to do my job. And um, when I, became vulnerable with them and let them know that, um, this is what I was doing. Each and every one of them had their own story, whether it was their own struggle with some anxiety or mental health issue, it was somebody that they loved in their family or friends. And so it is so pervasive that, um, it has just been an overwhelming, um, response that I've received. And you can tell just by how much it's resonating, how much it's been needed and for so long. And especially since uh, we are coming out of the pandemic that I think it even heightens it more. Um, so it's really been um, really gratifying for me in being able to have these, not only one-on-one coaching clients, which is always you know an amazing relationship and that's, that's wonderful, but to have these big open spaces in the corporate world to see them also see it resonate there as well, I think is really important. And we need more of it. Beautiful. In one minute, um, if there's anything
0: we haven't touched upon and you really, really want people who are listening and viewing us to know about you or your book or your journey, this is the time.
1: (laughs) Um, one thing that I do want to say, it's not so much about, I guess it's about my journey, because my journey right now is so much about ending the stigma that surrounds mental illness in in our country, and I'm sure around the world, but um, I think that it's really important that we, you know, find empathy, we educate people, both the sufferers and the non-sufferers, so that they have the tools and the skills to help those who can't really help themselves in terms of treatment. And then, um, just to empower those who aren't suffering as well, because I feel like it's really difficult for people to reach out and try to help when they don't feel like they have the tools to do so. So, um, yeah, those are the things that I'm really trying to communicate and focus on these days, just to, um, you know, I love promoting the book and the story and I want to help as many people as possible, but I also love crossing over and trying to help those who aren't suffering to understand what's going on so that they can be part of the solution that is ending the stigma. Beautiful. So
0: everyone, Wendy Thomas-Robbins, please get the book, The Box, An Invitation to Freedom from Anxiety. And you can go to Um and so you can meet her and get the book if you like. Thank you so much for spending the time and being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for
0: having me. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye.